You're listening to podcast audio from Radiant Church, located in Bay City, Michigan. For more information on Radiant Church, you can check us out on www.radiantbc.com or follow us on social media at Radiant Bay City. All right. Well, good morning once again, Radiant Church. Hey, I want to remind you as part uh, of our serve day, July 16th, we are building beds with sleep in heavenly peace. So make sure you register for that. Also, the reason why you need to register is is because every single person will get a free t-shirt for providing lunch that morning. It is a great opportunity to serve your city. And so be sure to visit radiantbc.com for more info and to register for that today. Well, listen, today, this morning, we're finishing up our series entitled Disciple, Becoming a Follower of Jesus. And in this series, we've nailed down, we're nailing down anyways, what it means, what it looks like to be a disciple of Jesus. What does it mean? What does it look like to follow him? Because the world has so many conceptions of what that looks like, right? Some people just say, hey, if I live a good moral life. Other people say, I believe God exists. That must mean I'm a disciple. But the Bible has so much more to say. What we learned are three things primarily. We learned that if we're going to be disciples of Jesus Christ, We need to orient our lives around three different things. Three different things. Hopefully, you can remember this. Anybody remember what number one was? Awesome. I am doing a great job as a teacher, aren't I? Be with Jesus, boss, and get her a free Bible or something. Somebody buy her an ice cream, all right? Be with Jesus, number one. Number two is becoming like Jesus. I'm not going to ask you the rest of them because clearly you don't know what they are, okay? Number three is doing as Jesus did. I love you, but seriously, all right? Doing as Jesus did. We learned that if we want to be disciples of Jesus, there are three things we need to orient our lives around. I want to dig this in your brain. Number one, being with Jesus. Number two, becoming like Jesus. Number three, doing as Jesus did. Did And we learned, listen, that last week, if we are going to be disciples, it means that we have to what? Change. We have to change. You have to change. I have to change. Right? The New Testament actually uses a much more powerful word. It's, it's the word transformation, that we have to be what? Transformed to look more like Jesus. It's the Greek word metamorpho. Metamorpho. Yeah, I got it. Right? And it's the word where we get metamorphosis from. I want you to notice what the Apostle Paul says in the New Testament. He says this in 2 Corinthians 3.18. The verse will be behind me. This is a key verse for today. Paul says this, And we all, with unveiled faces, contemplate the Lord's glory, are being what, church? Transformed right there. That's exactly. Transformed into his image with ever-increasing glory, which comes from the Lord, who is the Spirit, right? Paul says, we're being transformed. That's, that's your point. That's our point. We're supposed to be transformed to look more like Jesus. But how is it that we change, right? Because you need to change if you're going to be like Jesus. I need to change if we're going to be like Jesus, if I'm going to be like Jesus, excuse me, right? We learned that it doesn't just come through information transfer. Doesn't just come from YouTubing your favorite, you know, preacher, rock star preacher. It doesn't come from listening to just one more podcast. 
those things are great, okay? Those things are vital. But I want to remind you that those things are just the beginning of spiritual formation, not the end, right? We need more than information transfer to become like Christ. Because listen, if that was all that was needed, right, then we could just, if we wanted to lose a little bit of weight, come on for summertime, right? You just buy a diet book, buy the latest keto book, read the latest keto book, and then voila, right? Off 10 pounds, you shed 10 pounds, you're 10 pounds, you're looking better, you're feeling better, right? But it doesn't happen that way, right? Right? It doesn't happen that way. What about maybe some of you are battling anxious thoughts every once in a while, you know, kind of anxiety, racing thoughts, like everybody and their grandma faces anxiety today, right? If, if all you needed was information transfer, you could just buy or, no, just read an article on how to battle anxiety, all right? And then, boom, no more anxious thoughts. Like, you're good to go. But all of us know that that's not how it works. We don't just change by listening to another sermon or reading another book. Preaching, teaching, those things are extremely vital. But remember, those are just the beginning of our formation. They're not the end of our formation, okay? So today what I want to do is I want to dive deeper into the things that we talked about last week, okay? Last week, I talked about this idea of how do we change. You might remember that, okay? If you don't, (laughs) I'm going to remind you, don't worry, all right? And there are four, actually five things that we touched upon that show us how we change the culture, the world, and then we'll look at the gospel, how the gospel counteracts those things, okay? So we'll do that in just a moment. Let's take a moment. Let's pray together. Let's ask for the Holy Spirit to speak. Let's ask for humble hearts in this place, for God to transform us so we can look more like Jesus, so we can stop gossiping, right? So we can stop getting angry at our spouse, so we can stop stealing, maybe for some of us, so we can stop looking at images that we don't want to look at, right? Help us to become more like Jesus. That is the goal. I hope that's your desire. That should be your desire, church. Let's pray. Lord, we love you. We thank you so much for um, just your presence, God, and, uh, as we just got done singing, all hail, King Jesus. God, we're not, we're not the king. You are. So we surrender our lives to you, God. We, we surrender our hearts. Lord, would you soften hardened hearts today? Would you unlock deaf ears? Would you open blind eyes in this place? For those who are watching online as well, we pray that they might be drawn to Christ to become more like him. So God, we pray about by your spirit, have your way in this place. Humble us, God, for those of us who are prideful. Give joy to those who have lost all hope, Lord. God, and bring your peace to those of us who may have wandering and racing thoughts. Come, Holy Spirit, in this place. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Amen. Well, last week we learned again that we're being shaped And we're being formed and we're being molded by our world. You don't have to make any effort. You don't have to do anything. You just get out of bed and you're going to be shaped. You're going to be formed. You're going to be molded, right? Okay? The question is not if you're going to be shaped by the world. Rather, the question is, who is shaping you? Who is forming you? That is the better 
question. And I, I brought to you these five things that we'll look at that our culture shapes us. And then again, how the gospel counteracts that. So number one, we learned that we are shaped by the world, by the narratives or stories that we believe. The narratives or the stories that we believe. Now look at where, look at, at the screen with me. There's a slash mark and there's another phrase in, emboldened. That phrase that is emboldened, listen, is how the gospel counteracts that. Okay? So the world shapes us through narratives and the stories that we believe, but the gospel, listen, the truth comes from teaching from God's word, teaching from God's word. Notice what the Apostle Paul says in Romans 12. He says this, therefore, I urge you, right? I urge you, brothers and sisters, in view of God's mercy, he says this, to offer your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to God. This is your true and proper worship, right? Your bodies are important. Paul says you got to use your bodies, right? For worship, it's a sacrifice unto him. He says this, do not conform to the pattern of this world, but be what? Church, what does it say? Transformed. That's right. It's transformed by the renewing of your mind. Then you will be able to test and approve what is God's will, his good, pleasing, and perfect will. What does Paul say here? Paul says, if you haven't noticed this, that the way that the world operates is through a pattern. There's a pa- there are ways and there are patterns that the world operates. The messages that come through culture, listen, there's a pattern. Paul says, listen, if we want to change, we have to what? Renew our minds. You got to think differently. You have to start thinking differently about things. Well, how do we do that? Because we've been so programmed by our world We've been so programmed by news media outlets. We've been so programmed by our, our, our families of origin who are so dysfunctional. We've been so programmed by, by culture. How is it that we can change? Like, we don't have a chance. Paul says, you got to open up God's word. You got to renew your mind. You, you got to renew it. You got to literally be reprogrammed. Literally, right? Literally be reprogrammed programmed. And so listen, I want to remind you that good teaching and good preaching is is vital. But listen, it's just the beginning of your spiritual formation. You showing up to church, listening to a sermon. Hey, fantastic. Okay. But that's just where you, that's like the starting line. That's the starting line. It's not the end of things. You see, our world is full of narratives, full of stories that many of us have begun to believe. So I'm going to give you some examples of a few cultural narratives that are really prevalent. And unfortunately, some of you have been duped by them, okay, because you want to be compassionate, you want to be empathetic, which I get that, okay. But I want to give you some narratives that are, like, really prevalent. We need to debunk those with the truth of God's Word. Now, it's going to be a bit controversial. Get your seatbelts on. All right. Number one, first narrative that we believe sometimes is sex is merely physical I can just do it with whoever I want to, whenever I want to. It's wrong. We don't believe that. We don't buy that narrative. Truth of God's word says, no, sex, listen, is like a holy fire. It has the incredible power to bond two people, right? The scripture says the two shall become one flesh. And therefore, 
marriage is only, or uh, sex is only meant in the confines of marriage, right? That's the truth. The world says one message. The truth of God's word says another. Here's another narrative that many of us have heard, uh, specifically even more so probably this month, okay? The world's narratives would say there are many genders. If you do a Google search, you'll find that there are 99 genders. That's a cultural narrative. The scripture says, no, that's not, that's not reality. And I'm not trying to offend anyone, okay? It's just, I want to teach you the truth, though. The truth in Genesis 1.27 says God made them male and female. Okay? Narrative number three that we often hear or believe, hey, just follow your feelings and just do whatever makes you happy. Hey, do you, boo-boo, right? That's got quiet in here, and I wonder why. Let me just say this. Don't follow your feelings. Why? Because your feelings are like Michigan's weather. They're changing all the time, okay? Don't follow your feelings, okay? Rather, follow Jesus, okay? Because, listen, if you pursue happiness, you don't get happy. Happiness is only a result of a life well lived in Christ. Are you sure you want to clap? I don't know. <laughs> Some of you are like, no, yeah. I, do, do, uh, is it okay, this church? Uh, I, I, it's, all, it's all good. It's all good. Please clap, okay? It helps me to know you're alive. Okay. Number four. A narrative that we hear is this, just be your authentic self. Hey, you just got to be your authentic self. I can be my authentic self. And I understand what it means to be, to live with authenticity. We get that. Unfortunately, the world has twisted and now perverted that, okay? Don't be your authentic self, okay? Do not aim at being your authentic self. Why? Because you're the problem. <laughs> That's why. I'm the problem. And you cannot be the problem and the solution at the same time. You cannot be the problem and the solution at the same time. Don't be like yourself. Be like Jesus. And finally, probably the most controversial cultural narrative of our day. Listen closely. Christians, listen closely. This is really, really important. Finally, the, the, the most controversial cultural narrative is this, love is love. That's not true, though, okay? Let me correct that. That's not true. God is love. God is love, right? And let let me make this even more clear. Everything God says in all of his commands are motivated by love. Therefore, the most loving thing that you can do, the most loving thing that I can do, is agree with what God has said. All right. Don't rattle your bones anymore here, okay? There are so many narratives that we've come to accept. It's only when we see the truth of God's word that we can correct those, okay? Don't be duped by every sort of 
hashtag, by every phrase that you see, check it with scripture. This is what we're called to do, right? We're called to do these things. The second way that we change, that we're we're shaped and we're molded is by the world would say habits on on the left hand. The left-hand side, habits. But the way that God, the gospel counteracts that is through what? Practices. Through practices, right? And I want to lean into this for, for the next several minutes. We're shaped by our practices. The things that we do do something to us, okay? Whatever we do on a regular basis is who we become like. Make sense? I want to lean into this in Matthew chapter 7. We'll go there in a minute. This is the end of Jesus' Sermon on the Mount. If you've never read the Sermon on the Mount, you need to do so. Um, It will wreck you. Just be warned, okay? Be warned. It will slap you silly. It will karate punch you in the throat, all right? These are the most countercultural words that Jesus has to say. Now, towards the end of the Sermon on the Mount, I want you to notice how Jesus finishes up or wraps up this sermon. He says this, in beginning in verse number 24, he says this, therefore, everyone who hears these words of mine, in other words, what he's just got done talking about, right? Everyone who hears these words of mine, and then what? And puts them into what, church? Practice. Puts them into practice is like a man who built his house on the rock. The rain came down, the streams rose, the winds blew and beat against the house, Yet it did not fall because it had its foundations on the rock. But everyone who hears these words of mine and and does not put them into practice is like a foolish man who built his house on the sand. The rain came down, the streams rose, and the winds blew and beat against the house, and then it fell with a great crash. I, I love this. Jesus gives us an illustration of two homes. Uh, Both of these homes endure a great storm. There is a great downpour of rain. The waves are crashing, right? I mean, it's thundering. It's lightning, okay? But there's only one home that remains standing or remains intact. The other home has, you know, come crumbling down. So which is the home that is standing? Jesus says it's the house that is built on the rock. And a house that is built on the rock is actually a life. It represents a life that what? That has put Jesus' words into practice. Now, the half-brother of of Jesus, James, the apostle James, James would say it like this. James says that we are to be what? Not just hearers of the word, but doers of God's word, right? Doers of of God's word, putting the words of Jesus into practice. I might say it like this, putting Jesus' words into practice is the goal for every disciple, right? Putting Jesus' words into practice is the goal. Now, we get it wrong. Of course we get it wrong. Of course we mess up, okay? But we're, that's the goal is to put it into practice. Now, listen, I'm glad that you're attending church. I'm glad that you're watching online. That's a good beginning. That's, a, that's like entry level of faith. It's just like baby, baby faith, okay? You know what the next level is? The next level is putting Jesus' words into practice, practicing them every day. It's kind of like Jesus saying to every one of us, hey, you know what? I'm glad that you're in church. 
hey, you know what? I'm glad that you're listening, but that is not enough to change your life. It's not enough. Here's what you need to do. You need to go out and be salt and light in a dark world. You need to what? You need to go and love your enemies. Ooh, that's not, a, that's not an easy one either. You need to go and forgive those who have hurt you. What? Yeah, practice it. You got to put it into practice. Jesus is saying, oh, are you kidding me? No way, right? Go and live generously. Practice it. Don't just say, amen, I believe. I believe, preacher. You don't believe unless you're doing it. You don't really believe until you start practicing it. A lot of people say, I believe. Praise the Lord. Oh, no, 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 no. Put it into practice. I love the praise because I'm a praiser myself, okay? Put it into practice, all right? Put these words. Go, pray, fast, give. You get the idea, right? Put the words of Jesus into practice. Quick story for you. I was in high school, senior year. Decided I wanted to run cross country. Now, why? Because I despise running right now. Like, I don't even run in my car, okay? <laughs> senior year, though, right? You know, I'm 17 years old. I'm like, why not, right? Even some of you young people are like, no, I don't even get it. No, I don't get it. And so I ran cross country in a cross, cross country race. It's a little over three miles um, for some of you runners out there. And when I first started, uh, I was terrible. Uh, I, I made it through like a three mile journey in practice, okay? And I was like, right? right? And so barely could make it, you know what I mean? Just sweating profusely and just like, like literally just hanging on by a thread. And, and uh, so the coach was like, well, you need to practice. And so guess what? Guess what practicing meant? Running more, yeah. Mm-hmm. So in practice, he was a firm believer. You need to build your endurance. So guess what? You're going to run more than three miles in practice. You're going to run five or six. Okay? You're going to run actually seven or eight if you can. And so I got to a point, it didn't happen overnight, but I got to a point where I was able to run almost eight miles without stopping. I was like, yeah, I know. Wow, I know, right? Yeah, exactly. That's what I thought too, right? Almost eight miles without stopping. And so by the time race day came, I was able to run that race, okay? Now, I wasn't great. I wasn't an all-star runner, okay? It was kind of a terrible time, but well, either way, okay? All uh, right, my timing was not good. Either way, I finished the race. I was alive. I could do it. But I had put in the hours, listen, of practice. It's not an overnight achievement, all right? But it was a commitment to practice, let me ask you a question now, church. What if you wanted to say, what if you said to your wife or your husband today, honey, I just feel inspired to run a marathon. I do. Would you go and run a marathon this weekend? No, you wouldn't, right? What if you decided that you wanted to run a marathon this weekend? For some of you, for most of you probably, you'd start, you'd run one, two, maybe three miles for you, for you champs, right? And then you just might keel over and die, like just poof, right? You're like flatline, right? Like, that's it. You're done, right? For, for others of you, you, you know, you'd be out of breath. Maybe you'd even do an extra mile. You'd be okay, but you would never be able to run 26.2 miles the first time you decided to get out of bed, right? You're like, I'm going to stretch it out, right? I'm going to do this, stretch the hammies, right? It doesn't matter. You could do all the stretching you wanted to, but you wouldn't be able to do it, right? It's not that you're physically incapable. It's just that you need what? Practice. You need practice. So, for most of us, that means we get out of the bed tomorrow morning, and we might run a mile, maybe two miles, okay, for a little more in shape, 
And then the, the next day, we'd run three miles. The next day, we might rest. The next day after that, maybe, maybe three miles again. And then we would, we would slowly increase the distance. And then after months and months and months, maybe nine months, maybe a year of just doing that, practicing, right, running, we would get to the Boston Marathon, and we would be able to run 26.2 miles, right? That would be Amazing. You could do it. I could do it. But guess what? It simply takes practice. Let me just give you an example. How can you practice the words of Jesus? Well, let's just pull from some of the Sermon on the Mount, okay? What if this week, um, into next weekend, you decided to practice a Sabbath? It's a time of rest, a time of play, uh, a time of rejuvenation or worship even, okay? You decided that for 24 hours, you were going to rest, worship, play. Maybe that's too long for some of you, so you decided on 12 hours. So you did only things that brought you rest and that was refreshing towards your soul. So you, maybe for you, some of you, you, you read a book. For others of you, you, um, you went out in the garden and you did gardening, right? Others of you, you might take a nap. That's my favorite on a Sabbath, okay? I love napping, right? I'm all for napping. Others of you would play a board game. Others of you might, um, um, you might uh, play outside with your kids, right? You might do those things. For others of you, you might make a homemade meal because that, just, that uh, just invigorates you, that gives you rest for your soul, right? All of those things are great. All of those things are good. Maybe for some of you, you put your phone on do not disturb, okay, for, for six hours, whatever it is. You, you stop scrolling on social media. You stop trying to post every 20 minutes for, to get more attention towards yourself, right? You, you stop doing those things for a, for a time and focus on rest. Now, what if you're in here and you're like, well, I'm a mother of three and, and you know, that's really, really hard for me to do. Well, a, a couple options are you can have some friends help you out on that. You can have your spouse, your husband, take the kids for a few hours, right? And watch the kids while you Sabbath and be with Jesus. Or you can include all of your kids, your husband on that, in on that and all of you together, right? Go outside and play. Do fun things together. Play some board games, right? It doesn't mean that you get to all of a sudden let go of your family relationships. It does mean, though, that you can invest in those relationships that mean the most to you. Does that make sense, right? You're going to practice a Sabbath, okay? How about, what about this? What if uh, this week um, you are going to practice silence and solitude, okay? No phone, Okay. No social media, no TikTok, okay, no Facebook, no Instagram, okay, no reels, stories, whatever you call them, okay. No laptop out, no television, no binge watching anything on Netflix, none of those things. And you just sat in silence listening to the Lord. Now, it doesn't mean that every single time he's going to say something profound to you. It doesn't mean that. But it does mean that this practice is... Um, Profoundly countercultural in the midst of the day and age of digital distraction and noise. There is so much noise, right? Did you know that focus is like a muscle? You don't just automatically have the power to focus if you've never worked that muscle out, right? Some people think that they can just play on their phone and they can focus, and that's not true. Focus is like a muscle. Unless you practice that, you won't develop it, okay? So for me to write a message, guess what? I have to put my phone away. I can't be concerned about people texting me. I can't be concerned about what social media says. I have to put it away. I have to literally hide it 
and put it on do not disturb, okay? Because that's my time to hear from God, to study the scripture, to write, to think deeply, okay? And it takes time and it takes focus. And you can't do that when your focus is being distracted every five seconds. It doesn't work that way, right? Here's what David says. Psalm 131, verses 1 and 2, he says, My heart is not proud, Lord. My eyes are not haughty. I do not concern myself with great matters or things too wonderful for me, but I have calmed and quieted myself. I'm like a weaned child with its mother. Like a weaned child, I am content. I love what David says. I've, I've learned to quiet myself. And I, I understand that, that that can be difficult. Okay, so maybe it's early in the morning. Maybe it's at night when the kids are in bed. Just a few minutes. Just a few minutes of silence and solitude, right? The message translation, verse number two, it's more of a paraphrase, but it says this. David says, I have, I have cultivated a quiet heart. Cultivated a quiet heart. To cultivate means to, to, to train. Okay? It means to develop or it means to, to refine. Cultivating a quiet heart, that's, that means you're practicing it. It doesn't come right away. You might be only able to sit still for 30 seconds, and that's it. What do you need to do? You need to build that up by practicing silence and solitude. Maybe after 45 seconds, you're like, I can't take it. The phone, what's going on, right? You need to practice this more and more for silence and solitude, okay? The third way that we're changed, that we change. You want to become like Jesus? Here's how the world will change us. The world says relationships, but the gospel would call it community. We become like the five people we hang out with the most of the time, okay? Most, most of the time. You do um, what they do. You sound like they sound. You might dress like they dress. You might even think like they think. This is just kind of natural, okay? For us, this is, just, this, is, this, this, this is what happens, okay? I don't care who you are. I don't care how holy you think you are, how good or moral. This is just what happens, like sociologically, right? You, you become like the people who you hang out with on a regular basis. So listen, don't be surprised, okay? Listen, if you're hanging around people who are doing things that you're trying to stay clear of, don't be surprised that you start doing the, the things they're doing. Don't be surprised, okay? At some point, with, an, with enough time spent with them, most likely you're going to do those things. Now, you might say to no, Pastor Marco, you don't understand. I'm strong, and I can resist. Maybe, but probably not. Maybe, but probably not. If you keep spending time with those individuals, eventually, eventually, they'll do like they're doing. Now, I know what some of you are thinking. Pastor Marco, Jesus ate and drank with sinners. He did. And we're called to do likewise, 100%. Absolutely. Okay? 100%. 100%. But I want to remind you, I want to remind you that Jesus spent even more time with the disciples. Okay? He spent even more time pouring in, investing into those relationships that were life giving. That's what shaped those disciples more than anything, okay? More than anything. Let me ask you a question. Uh, who is your Christian community, right? Who is your Christian community? Who 
who is encouraging you in your walk in faith with the Lord, okay? Who is pushing you to become more like Jesus? Let me show you some verses. Um, I didn't make this up. The scripture talks about this. Proverbs 13, 20 says this, walk with the wise and become wise for a companion of fools suffers harm. If you want to be wise, hang out with wise people. If you want to be a fool, hang out with fools. <laughs> yeah, it's pretty hard, isn't it? Yeah. It is. It is. In a similar fashion, Proverbs 27, verse 17 says this, as iron sharpens iron, so one person sharpens another, right? That's good. That's a good word. Yeah, that's right. As iron sharpens iron, right? The Apostle Paul says it this way, do not be, be misled, right? Don't be misled. Don't try to fool yourself. Bad company corrupts good character. Okay, there it is, right? Bad company corrupts good character. Jesus had 12 disciples, but he spent even more time with his inner circle of three disciples, James, John, and Peter, right? Investing in those relationships, okay? Now, I understand this, that for some of you, as you listen, as you look at these verses, as you hear this, you're thinking, well, Pastor Marco, I need to find a new group of friends. Yeah, you do. I've been trying to tell that to you for a long time. I, I didn't think it'd be anything big. I, we've been, hello, we've been trying to tell you, right? Yes, you need to find a new group of friends. Well, I thought I was supposed to love them. You can love them, but just don't spend all your time with them. Love them from a distance. Love them with boundaries, okay? Don't spend all your time with them. Well, I'm just trying to be more like Jesus. You know, I just want to be like Jesus. Then find a Christian community. Find a group of people that will encourage you, right? That will help you to live like Christ. That will, yeah, maybe they'll call you out sometimes. I know, it hurts. It doesn't feel good. But you can be like, oh, yeah, right? We need Christian community because why? We need encouragement and we need exposure. We need to be exposed, right, for who we are. Right? If we're prideful, we need to be exposed for that, right? If we're always trying to get attention, we need to be exposed for that, right? If we have um, ungodly sort of... Um, Practices or habits, we need to be called out for that. Say, hey, you know what? You're always dropping the, the, the F-bomb or the S-bomb or whatever it is. Ooh, well, I, I guess I shouldn't be doing that. Yeah, probably not, man. You know, that, we've got to be called out on those things, right? We're encouraged and we're exposed, right? And so that, this is the place um, of Christian community. Why? Because those who are closest to us influence us the most. Okay? Those who are closest to us influence us the most. Finally, um, when it comes to the world, we're shaped by our environment and our experiences, okay? Our environment and our experiences. But the way that we counteract that is through the Holy Spirit. All of you are, you have been influenced by your environment, okay? For good or for bad. All of you have been influenced by your family of origin. If it was very dysfunctional, okay? Um, that's, that's, could, that could have been your environment for 20 years, 30 years, right? It shaped you, it molded you. You think you're just gonna be like Jesus the next day? No way, it's going to take a lot of practice, and you need to remove yourself from some of those relationships. That's why this, is, this matters, right? The Holy Spirit, listen, shapes and molds us, molds us and leads us beyond any experience, beyond any um, environment that we have. The Holy Spirit leads, guides. The Holy Spirit convicts us of sin, Right? The Holy Spirit illuminates Scripture for us. Jesus says this in John 16, 13. But when he, the Spirit of truth, comes, 
He will guide you into the truth. He will not speak on his own. He will speak only what he hears, and he will tell you what is yet to come. Jesus calls him the spirit of truth, the spirit of truth. He's the one that will lead us and guide us in tr- into truth, okay? It's going to shape us. The spirit of God is going to form us into becoming or to look like more like Jesus. And that's what we want. That's what we want in our lives, right? We want to look more like Jesus, okay? So let me review with you. And if you haven't written these down, I think that they're really important. Uh, I'm not saying that, um, I'm not offended if you don't, but I think for your own sake, I think they're really healthy. They're really good to write down. Number one, we're shaped. Let me go back in my notes and find it. We're shaped by, uh, the world shapes us by narratives of stories that we believe, right? We counteract that with a, a teaching from God's word, reality, truth, okay? We have to counteract those narratives somehow. We're shaped, uh, the world shapes us by our habits, okay? Um, maybe you have bad habits. Okay? We, all, we all do, but if we want to replace those habits, we need to begin practicing something different. If you're a gossip, that's a habit that you've formed, okay? You need to practice something different, right? Number three, we're shaped um, from, remember, relationships. The gospel counteracts that through our community. You become like the people who you hang out with the most, okay? You become like the people who you hang out with, with the most. For some of you, that does mean you need to find new friends. It, that's what it means. It does mean that. Finding new friends. Okay? Finally, we're shaped by the world in the ways of our environment and experiences, but we're also shaped by the Holy Spirit. Okay? Shaped by the Holy Spirit. He leads us. He guides us into truth. I hope that was life-giving. I hope that makes sense to some of you this morning. I hope you'll begin to put those things into practice. There's so much more I can say about discipleship. Um, I should just teach an online class. I'm thinking about it, um, but we're not going to do that today because we don't have the time. Um, but if you hear more from me on discipleship, don't be surprised specifically what that looks like in the local church. It's been a lot of what I've been reading lately, and meditating upon. But as we close uh, this morning, um, I want to just remind you, listen, um, it's not just about trying harder. It's about practicing. It's not just about trying harder. A lot of you have tried hard and you've, you've messed up, okay? You failed. And I get it. I've done the same thing, okay? And so what it is for you, though, is about practice. You need to practice. It takes practice. Just like I, ha- I had to run several miles before I could run um, a cross-country race, you need to begin to practice some of the words of Jesus. So pick some out this week. Pick one. Just maybe start with one. Friends, don't get overwhelmed. Just start with one and give yourself some grace. Because why? Because it takes practice. It takes practice. If you're easily offended, guess what? It's going to take practice for you to grow some thick skin, right? For you to, to not be offended, to have an unoffendable heart. It's going to take some practice, right? So this week, I want you to practice something. Practice the Sabbath. Get some rest. Okay? Get some play. Get some worship in. This week, I want you to practice maybe... Uh, for you, silence and solitude, right? Put all the distractions away. Put the phone away. Put the, put the laptop, the gadgets, the Netflix, all the Hulu. Put it all away and just be with God. Be with Jesus. Hear from Him. It's incredibly counter-cultural. Maybe this week you feel like um, your flesh is like you have desires that you know you shouldn't have. Here's what you need to do. I promise you, this kills the flesh. Fasting. I'm not, I'm not just talking about, I'm going to fast social media. That's not really, that's not real fasting. 
fasting from food. Okay? That's what I mean. Okay? The scripture doesn't talk about fasting social media. The scripture talks about fasting from food. So right now, I think I'm on hour 18. I'm on an 18-hour fast. Okay? I commonly fast before I preach, but I've been practicing fasting much more, and it has curbed a lot of my um, desires that are not God. If you, if you are struggling with lust, you're struggling with pornography, well, you need to go on a fast, okay? Now, you may need to talk to a doctor depending on your circumstances, okay? I'm not a medical, you know, expert. But still, you may need to practice a fast. Go on a 12-hour fast. You can maybe just start there, okay? Build up to a 16 or 18-hour fast, okay? Maybe some of you need to practice um, hospitality or community this week, okay? What does that mean? That means just go, go out to eat with someone. Go grab a burger. Go get a cup of coffee with a brother in Christ, with a sister in Christ, okay? okay be encouraged. Practice Christian community, right? You're not going to succeed on your own. I'm just going to tell you, you cannot follow Jesus all by yourself. The pull of the world is simply too strong, and you're going to fail. You're going to fail. You need brothers and sisters around you. So for some of you, that means, yes, finding some different friends, right? Finding some different friends. For some of you, that means you're going to attend a grill and chill this week. It's going to be amazing because you're going you're to have fun with a group of, of uh, hopefully God-honoring people, right? And you're going you're gonna to surround yourself by godly influences. Let me just remind you as we close this series up, um, you can change. You can change, and we're called to change. Every single one of us has something about ourselves that we don't like, that we do something. We do these things that we don't like, right? Every single one of us, okay? But let me just, let me, I want to encourage you. You can change. You can change. I can change. I know it's crazy, but I can change, right? But it doesn't, open, it doesn't happen overnight, right? It happens through what? Through a lifetime commitment of following Jesus. Right? A lifetime commitment of following Jesus. Begin to practice something different. And guess what? You're not going to be good at it at first. Just like when you practice something new for the first time, you're not good at it. But when you practice the words of Jesus, sometimes you're not good at it. And it's okay. You can acknowledge it. I don't feel like doing this. I don't like doing this. I'm going to practice it, though. Sometimes you have to do that when you serve other people. You just need to begin to practice. Do not wait for your feelings because they'll never line up. You tell your feelings what to do. You tell your, you instruct your feelings. Our world is all about feelings. Okay, the people of God are not. The people of God are about the Spirit of God living inside of them that gives them the power to change. Okay? You can change. I love you guys. You're an amazing church. You're a generous church. I want to encourage you as you leave today. You can change. Let's pray. Lord, we love you. And you are so good to us, God. You are so, so good. Um, God, we thank you for these tools in our tool belt, God, um, of how we change, Lord. God, would you help my brothers and my sisters today to put your words into practice? And not to be overwhelmed with 50 things to put into practice, but choose one, maybe two things, God. Maybe, maybe it's a Sabbath. Maybe it's serving. Uh, maybe they're going to practice um, hospitality or community. Whatever it is, Lord, um, I pray that you would just direct your people as you see fit, God. As we open up our lives to you, God, we just say, Holy Spirit, you show us what is it that we need to practice this week, God. You know us because you knit us together in the womb, God. And so would you show us, reveal, God, what it is that you want us to practice. And may we 
be transformed into the image of Christ over and over and over again as we practice the words of Jesus. We pray this in his name, all God's people said. Amen, amen. Let's clap our hands for King Jesus this morning.